Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. I'm going to continue in Romans chapter 7, verse 16. If you have your Bibles, we can turn there. And if you have the Bible memorized... Uh, you can turn there in your in your mind, <laughs> and uh, we're going to be reading from Romans seven, chapter seven, verse sixteen, and we're going to continue to talk about uh, Paul's understanding. I, I believe this was a uh, as he wrote this, it was an experience, learning experience for him, and uh, things begin to come together. There was a lot of questions there in his mind, which. How many of us have never had questions about living for God or about God or about what we need to do and how we need to live? So I I know we all have had questions at some point or another, but Paul, you know, the great apostle that he he was, uh, he even had questions. So that puts us in the same category here of we're just learning. We're learning how to overcome the flesh and how to walk in the Spirit, and how to be victorious and a conqueror that God desires for us to be. And uh, Paul was kind of laying this out tonight. I think we can understand uh, where he was coming from. We've experienced a lot of this ourselves. So Romans chapter 7, verse 16, If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that is good, now that when... then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, when I read this chapter so many times, I, I, sometimes I start, my brain gets to hurting I'm trying to figure out what are you saying here, Paul. Uh, But we're going to go through these verses, and I know that we're not going to be exhaustive on everything. There's a lot you can teach on concerning these scriptures and helping us to understand how to walk with God and overcome the flesh. Uh, and, And you probably couldn't teach everything on it. There's always something new to teach there. But we do have a few things we want to talk about. So first of all, I want to look at verse 16. Uh, I read this at first, and at first I got to thinking, you know, I'm trying to grasp exactly what it means. And then I just felt like the Lord gave me the thought on this. It says, if then I do that which which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Um. I'm going to read that again. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. See, Paul was talking about different laws in our lives. There's the law of sin. Uh, There's the laws of God. He even also mentions in later verses the law of the mind. Uh, The law of the mind. We'll talk about that here in a little bit too. But if then I do that which I would not, 
I consent unto the law that it is good. So when Paul did the things that he knew he shouldn't do, when he did the things that he knew he shouldn't do, he was actually consenting. And the word consent in definition in the, in the Greek is or confessing. It means consenting or confessing. So when Paul did the things that he knew he shouldn't do, he was consenting or confessing unto the law of sin that it was good. He, he, he was taking these things and, and he knew he shouldn't do it. If then I do that, which I would not. He, he had within inside of him a desire to do the right things, just like we do. We have a desire in our heart to live for God, to live for God the way he wants us to live for him, according to his word. We do have a desire and a love for God to be able to do those things the right way, but there's times that uh, uh, this, these laws that are battling and warring with inside, it brings us to a point of conflict. And we have to understand the conflict. And we have to understand to battle through that and overcome it. But what, when we read these scriptures, I want you to think about this because it's going to help you to understand a lot of what Paul was talking about. He was looking at it in the sense that he was trying to overcome these things on his own. He was trying to overcome them and figure out how to overcome them on his own. I know we as human beings, we a lot of times we like to try to fix things on our own. Um, but let me give you a little thought here which is also covered in the very last few verses of this chapter which kind of sums it all up. Well, we can't do it without God. We can't overcome the flesh and the laws of sin without God. As I mentioned last week, the law only tells us what we're doing that's wrong. When you drive down the road, I, I use this illustration a lot, but, but you know, the laws say uh, there's certain places on the road in Bethalto that you, like, uh, you know, you're only supposed to drive 30 miles an hour, or is it 35 miles? I don't even know, because I don't drive by the speed limit, so <laughs> I don't even know what it says, but... Uh, going down the main road here, it's what, 35 miles an hour? Does anybody know? 35? 35? Okay. Okay, thank you for letting me know that. I... <laughs> no, I've, I've looked at it because I was looking at it this, this morning uh, because the car in front of me was not going the speed limit and I needed to get down the road. So I was thinking about if I should run over him or what, but <laughs> I know I'm telling on myself. Yes? Only 25 on prairie. You're right. You're right about that. <laughs> I think you know something others don't know. <laughs> What's that? 40. Wow. They just keep changing these speed limits all over the place. You've got you to gotta really be watchful because it's going to change. And you can speed up. You can slow down. And Why don't you just put one speed that's like 75 to 80 miles an hour and then get it over with. <laughs> Me and my wife, we have a, 
We have on Spencer Street, this street right over here, goes down to our house. It is the roughest street in town. So our theory is when I get on that road, what's that? No, yeah, it's my theory, but I'm trying to convince my wife of this too. That if I drive fast down that road, I skip over the bumps. <laughs> my wife hasn't figured that out yet, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. But we know what the speed limit says. We know what we should do. The law just tells me what I should do, first of all, and then it also, the law tells me when I'm not doing the right thing. If I'm driving 50 miles an hour in a 30 mile an hour speed zone, I know I'm not doing the right thing. Uh, the law tells me what I'm doing that's wrong. It does not help me to drive speed limit. It doesn't force me to drive speed limit. That's got to be worked out inside of me. I have got to make the right decisions. I've got to do the right thing. I must. It's the same thing with living for God and considering the laws of, of, the, of the Bible, the Word of God, but there's laws of sin that are working that are trying to get us to fall under its laws to do what sin wants to do. But the Bible tells me what's right and tells me what's wrong. It tells me what to do and what not to do. So if then I do that, which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. And one thing about it, how many times have you seen people strive to do the right thing or maybe start out living for God trying to be a righteous person. And, uh, and then after a while, they give in to sin. And they start going against the laws of God. Well, there's several factors here that could be considered, but, but how many times you've seen people start out for God and then they fail? And one, one of the reasons is because they begin to justify that it's not so bad when you start living in sin or walking or dabbling in sin, I should say, then, then eventually you get to the point where you begin to justify yourself because we're humans. That's the way humans think at times. We, you know, we don't want to look at ourselves as being bad, so we begin to justify the wrong that we're doing. And uh, Paul was saying, you know, I know there, there's things that that uh, if then I do that, which I would not, there's times that I know I shouldn't do it, but when I do it, I'm consenting to the law that it is good. That's the reason why the Bible says, and in our world we see it so prevalent nowadays, is things that are good are called bad, and things that are bad are called good. You know why? Because people have been living in sin and they get to the point where they can't imagine themselves being wrong or admit to being wrong so they justify the wrong that they're doing and they say that the wrong that I'm doing is good but because 
others are trying to do good or follow the word of God, then they condemn them to be bad because they want you to come down to their level. They don't want to rise up to your level. They want you to come down to their level. So Paul was saying, when, I, when I'll do those things that I know is not right, I'm consenting to the law that it is good. That's where it goes to. It goes to the point where we consent, we confess that it is good in our own minds, and we get to a point where we, you know, everything else that everybody's doing is bad. It's an attack against, that's what we're doing, that's what we're living in right now in our world. Um, the world has taken, the, they're trying to condemn Christianity, that it's Christianity's fault for all the problems we get on our world. No, it's not Christianity's fault. It's, it's, it's sin. Sin is the problem in our world right now. It's been a problem in our world for a long time. From the days of Adam and Eve, it's been a problem. That little word, S-A-N, it's been a, not a little problem, it's been a big problem. It's taking people away from God, which when you take people away from a relationship with God, they're going to go to a relationship with Satan, with evil, with hell, with judgment. They're going to, the wages of sin is death. You know, I, I've been really uh, troubled for a long time and just seeing the things that goes on in our world. It seems like there's so many people glorifying death. So many people glorifying skulls. <laughs> So many people glorifying, uh, yeah, skeletons. I mean, think about this. A lot of people decorate for Christmas. There's people that are decorating right now for Halloween. <laughs> but, but, but the thing about it is, you know, when you when you consider all the gruesome things, it, it's 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 like death. Like death is glorified. And life is not glorified. Well, the Lord is not a giver of death. The Lord is a giver of life. And he wants us to not just have life, but for us to have it more abundantly. So we live in a world that things that were bad are now called good, and things that were good are now called bad. That's not going to change the way I live. I'm going to live for God in a world if the world doesn't listen to the gospel of Jesus Christ and doesn't come to a place of repentance, that's not going to change my walk with the Lord. I'm not going to change. I'm going to continue to live for God. Because I settled in my mind and in my heart and in my soul a long time ago, I'm going to live for God. And I told the Lord, Lord, I'm going to live for you to the end. And I'm going to stand on that promise. And I know you are too. But there is a war that is going on, not just in our world, but there's a war going on inside of the soul. That's just a part of it, of living for God. Or even if you don't live for God, there's a war going on in people's souls. That's the reason why you see the, you know, I don't, haven't seen it in a long time, but years ago you would see these little cartoons of 
an angel on one shoulder speaking into your ear and a devil on the other side speaking into your ear. And one side's trying to get you to do the right things and the other one's trying to get you to do the wrong things. It's a war going on. So what Paul was understanding is the things that I shouldn't do, when I do it, I'm condoning that. I am confessing it. I am consenting to that, that it is good. That's the pathway that it gets to. If we keep going down the pathway when we know we're doing wrong and we continue to do the wrong thing, we get to a point where we begin to, to consent to it and say it's good. Uh, and the scripture says, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me, Paul said. Is Paul denying his responsibility as a sinner and his sin? No. i tell you what he's doing here. Uh, he said, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. What he's saying here is there's a battle and there's laws of sin that are trying to get me to do the wrong thing. But, but he recognizes that as he sins, he acts against the nature of this new man that he became in Christ. It's against that nature. Let me go back here. Uh, when we received the, you know, when we obeyed Acts 2.38, uh, as Peter said to them in Acts 2.38, when they said, what shall we do? He said, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You know what you're doing? When you go to the Old Testament, you're actually, uh, when you repent, uh, in the Old Testament, you can cover this by the tabernacle. They killed an animal of sacrifice, blood on the altar. They burn it. They were killing that sin sacrifice. This animal was a representative of their sin. They, they killed it, they laid it upon the altar and burn it. Then you come to the, so that's a, that's a sign of repentance, asking God to forgive you. And not just asking God to forgive you, but you're dying to that. That's the thing about repentance. A lot of people think you can ask God to forgive you, but you can go back and do the same thing over and over and over again. And continue. Now, repentance is if you're walking this direction towards sin and you are being obedient to sin, when you repent and say to God, God, forgive me for my sins, what it means is to turn around, walk toward the Lord. A lot of people take repentance lightly. Repentance is powerful. Matter of fact, uh, there's religions today that, that call repentance you know, they, they look at it as being saved. And they receive a powerful experience. Well, they, they repented of their sins. They laid their sins down on an altar and gave them to the Lord and asked God to forgive. And, and they felt that weight lifted up off of their soul, their heart, their mind, their life, and felt so good. And they call it being saved. According to the Bible, it's the first step to completion of all of salvation. But without death to the old person, you won't receive the Holy Ghost. Without repentance, you're going to get wet in a baptism tank because you didn't kill something, the old person, to bury it. 
So the, the beginning point is to repent. And uh, then, of course, uh, you bury the old person in baptism and take on the name of Jesus Christ in baptism. Every point in the scripture, you can read it. If, if you can point out at any point where they baptized them after Jesus died on the cross and ascended up into the heavens, resurrected and ascended up into the heavens, where it was uh, anything other than in the name of the Lord or in the name of Jesus Christ, it's not there. You take on the name of Jesus in baptism. And, and, and we baptize, when you bury something, you don't sprinkle it, you put it down under. And that's what Jesus did. He showed an example. But the thing about it is you die in repentance, but you bury it in a watery grave of baptism and wash away the sins. And then you receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, which is the resurrecting power. So when the, in the Old Testament, it's a brazen altar of sacrifice, killing the old person that used to be, turning around, walking a different direction toward the Lord, not taking that up again, uh, baptism, burying it, washing the sins away, taking on the name of Jesus Christ, and then you receive the Holy Ghost. It is like walking into the holiest of holies uh, where the mercy and the power of God dwelt over that Ark of the Covenant, and you're receiving the power of God's Spirit with inside of you. So when you receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, you have God's Spirit inside of you. The whole process, you feel something. Repentance, you feel your sins lifted and you feel good. Baptism, you feel that you've washed those sins away. Doesn't that, isn't that right, Brother Donnie? We couldn't even hardly get him out of the baptism tank. He was full of joy. And uh, there was a powerful supernatural experience there, wasn't there? And when you receive the Holy Ghost, there is a powerful experience. So every one of those steps of, of salvation is a supernatural experience in God. But then when you go to the New Testament, the example that Jesus gave, death on the cross, repentance again. Here we go again. Buried in a tomb, baptism. The Bible says we're buried with him in baptism. In filling of the Holy Ghost, he resurrected out of the tomb. It is our resurrecting power. The reason why I say all that is, I, and I've said this before, on different teachings, but a lot of times people kill the old person and they bury the old person, but then they go back to try to dig the old person up and breathe breath into the life of that dead person again and try to get it to live again because your flesh is too strong and you're trying to live, uh, you know, you want to breathe new life into that old sinful person that you walked away from. But what Paul was saying, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. And what he was saying is he recognizes that, it, that as he sins, he acts against his nature as a new man in Christ. This is not the way I need to act. It's not the way I need to live. You see, a Christian must own up to their sin. If we sin, we need to own up, up to it. And realize that that impulse to sin does not come from who we are in the Lord in our new life. It comes from that law that's still there inside of us. 
We repented. We were baptized. We were filled with the Holy Ghost. But that law still works inside of us, and it's a war. And Paul was talking about that. That's what we're dealing with. And when we realize that, you won't beat yourself up so much and think that there's no use and I'm giving up. I'm not going to live for God anymore because I'm just a bad person. No, you're just fighting the battles. And some are overcoming the battles and some are not overcoming them as they should, but this is a learning process. Thank God for the learning process. We're all growing. We need to grow. It's good to grow. But we're learning as we go. I've, I've lived for the Lord and I counted up, well, 40 some years now. I'm still learning. I'm still learning something new. Every time I pick up the Word of God, I learn something new. <laughs> I, there, there's, I, I don't, I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back or anything, but I don't know how many times I've read the Word of God, read the Bible, but I keep finding new things in there. Every time you read it. I've even read scriptures and heard them preached so many times I could quote them and then all of a sudden I read it again and all of a sudden my mind just, the Lord begins to speak to me about certain things, about that scripture I'd never even seen before. And going back to the thought here, uh, very, very important for us in reading the word of God and the Lord speaking to us that when we get a revelation of the scripture, it goes along with all of the word. God doesn't give us a revelation that is beyond his word. That we get on a tangent somewhere and eventually we realize that was me and not God. We have to measure it up to the word of God. So, in other words, a, a Christian, we need to own up to sin if we do sin. To be saved from sin, a man must at the same time own it and disown it. <coughs> Excuse me. We've got to own up to it and we've got to disown it. Own up that we've done wrong, but I'm going to, I'm going to destroy it because I'm not going to live this way. I'm not going to keep walking this way. I'm going to break it. I'm to turn to God. I'm going to let God help me through this. That nature that sin comes out, it's not the nature of that new man, that new creature that you became. It's going back to that old law of sin that's trying to continue to steer you in the wrong direction. There is a fight within that we can get control of and overcome. But we've got to be willing to do that. The Word of God reveals to us <laughs> what is sin and what we're doing wrong. And like I said last week, the Bible even says in the scripture, when you hear the preaching of the word, the teaching of the word, or you read the word of God, it's like looking into a mirror. I was going to say mirrors don't lie, but if you go through a carnival, you do see some mirrors that do lie to you. Some make you look like you're Real tall, and some of them make you look like you're real short. But when you look into the Word of God, it does not distort anything. <laughs> we need the Word of God to tell us exactly who we are, where we're at, what we need to do, and what we don't need to do. Thank God for His Word. 
There's a scripture at the very end of the Bible. You've read it, the book of Revelation. Don't add to, don't take from. You know why? Because we don't want any distortions. When I add to it, I'm distorting it. When I take away from it, I'm distorting it. I don't want it, and I know you don't want distortions either. God, give, us, give it to us exactly the way that you gave it to us. And the thing about it is, uh, when it's all said and done, that's really what we wanted in the first place. We, we need the word of the Lord as he gave it to us because it's going to bring us blessing. But this battle that's going on, this war that's going on in the inside, there is a scripture in the Bible, and I know it covers a broad spectrum of different things here. We're trying to do good. We want to do good. We want to do the right thing. But the Bible also says, don't become weary in well-doing. Don't become so weary in this fight that you get to the point where you just throw up your hands and give up. That's where people backslide. That's where people walk away. And, um, I, you know, I, I think we all can understand the feeling of it's tough fighting, fighting. Understand that. And sometimes the pressure of peer pressure that's up against us sometimes. People saying, well, you don't need to go to church. Why don't you come and get be with us? You let down one time and then it's easier the next time. And then you let down the next time and then you just keep going on a pattern. You know, really coming to the house of the Lord, it's a love relationship. We do this not because you want to come and see pastor teach or preach. I mean, that, I hope that you might want to come and hear the pastor preach and teach, but really the bottom line of it, it's God. I'm just an under-shepherd. I'm just trying to lead you to the Lord. But we come to the house of the Lord and in his presence and in his word because we love him. And that's the main reason. It's about relationship. About relationship. But don't become weary in well-doing Sometimes people, and we all have done this, we beat ourselves up at times because we feel like that we're just not worthy enough to be able to be in the presence of the Lord. Let me say this. We've all done it. We've all done it. But don't become weary in well-doing. When you get weary, turn to the Lord. Let him help you through this. How many times you come into the house of the Lord dragging and struggling? Come into the presence of the Lord, you begin to worship, you begin to pray, all of a sudden you feel the presence of the Lord and you walk out of the church feeling good inside. We don't need drugs, we've got God. We don't need drugs to give us a high. <laughs> We've got the power and presence of the Lord and the word of God. When we really get into the presence of the Lord and the power and presence of God and in his word, it brings forth a high like the world cannot give us. And it doesn't give us a crash the next day and a hangover the next day. We, we're in the presence of the Lord. I tell you what it does for me as I walk with the Lord and in relationship, it gives me a hunger and a desire. I can't wait to get to the house of the Lord. I can't wait to be in the presence of the Lord. I can't wait to hear the word of God. 
I, I, I want to hear some teaching. I want to hear some preaching. I want something to form my life to help me to understand how to live closer to God. And that's the reason why you come to the house of the Lord, because you're hungry. You're hungry for God. Thank God for that. But don't become weary in well-doing. Verse 20, now if I do that, I would not. It is no more me, or excuse me, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Let me read it again. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. That law of sin. Verse 21 goes on and says, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. You've got to understand this. When you set out on a journey to do good, evil is always going to be present with you also. It's going to be there. You just got to deal with it. It's going to be there. C.S. Lewis uh, spoke these words when he said, I, in that scripture where it says, I find then a law that evil is present with me. He said this, listen to what it says very closely. Anyone who has tried to do good is aware of this struggle. He goes on and says, we never know how hard it is to stop sinning until we try. And then he says, no man knows how bad he is until he has tried to be good. Can you relate? Yeah. We can relate. But the job of the devil is when we get to that point where we're trying to do good and evil's present and we realize how bad things are when we're trying to do good and when we fall on our face and we skin our knees spiritually and we try to get back up and we walk again and we fall flat on our face, and we skin ourselves up and bruise ourselves, try to get back up again. You know what the devil's doing? His job is always to be the condemner. You're no good. You're worthless. God doesn't want you in his presence. He doesn't want you around him. Brother Ayers was talking about this Sunday morning in a great lesson. You know, you know That's not the way God is. God doesn't want us out of his presence. He wants us in his presence. And just like Brother Ayers said, you know, Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, but the Lord came to them already knowing that they had sinned. The Lord knew it. If he didn't want them to be in his presence and he didn't want to be in their presence, he wouldn't have even came to them. He already knew they sinned. He already knew they disobeyed. But the way God is, He's constantly drawing, trying to draw us back to a place in him. Let's look at it this way. Remember the scripture that says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The whole purpose of the cross and his sacrifice was for us to be forgiven. The sacrifice was for us because he loves us, cares about us. But like a good father, we fail, but he's continually trying to draw us closer to him to learn through our failures, 
to grow through our failures, to walk with him. And guess what? The next time you deal with that, you're going to be stronger. Storms make us stronger. We learn through those storms. Failures make us stronger. We learn through those. There's great people in in history that if they had quit when they failed the first time, they would have never accomplished anything. You can look at a lot of people in history that have accomplished great things, and when you look at it, you might think they've never failed. No, if you go back into the history of their life, you're going to find out they failed here, they failed there, they they did this and failed, they, they messed up here, they might accomplish something here, but then it failed, and then finally they hit it, and it becomes successful. It's like living for the Lord. You continue, we're continually growing in the Lord. It's not that you want to fail. It's not that you desire to fail so that you can think that you know, you're growing. No, you just learn from your failures. It's just automatic. It's just something that happens. You, you fail, you get back up, you keep going. I wish all of you could have been born and raised in southwest Missouri. It seemed like everything I had, you know, I tried to get in life, I had to fight for it. I don't know if it was just the street block I lived on. Um, 2737 Latoka. That doesn't tell you anything. I don't know what will. Latoka Street. Everything I had to, uh, tried to get in life, I had to fight for it. I could have thought, well, you know, I, I'll never be anything. But I looked at it like, you know, I'm going to get back up. I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep fighting for it. But the struggles brought forth growth. And the struggles of life bring forth growth in your life living for God. You see, the longer you live for the Lord and continue to walk with the Lord, you might not be at the same level someone is, certain people live that's been living for God for a long period of time. That's okay. Keep growing. You're going to get there. You're going to get there. And even those that have lived for God for a long time and you think, man, they've reached the utopia of growth They don't need to learn anything else. No, wipe that out of your mind too. Let me correct that because those that have lived for God a long time will first of all tell you, I can't learn enough. I need to learn more, more in God. I'm hungry for more of God. That's the reason why you might find them uh, wanting to hear more preaching, more teaching because they're hungry. That's how they got there. They kept moving forward. They kept fighting through. Amen. Verse 22, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. That's interesting. The law of my mind and bringing me into captivity the law of sin which is in my members. 
You know, a lot of your battles start in the mind. It doesn't start in, in an action. Your mind is what gives the actions to your members, your arms, your legs, your, your voice, your whatever. It, your, it goes through your mind first and affects you in the heart. It affects your feelings about things. But it, the battle starts in the mind first. This battle that rages. And then finally you get to the point where you convince yourself that I need to do this, it's wrong, and do that, it's wrong. And, but the law of the mind, it all starts in the mind before it affects the rest of your life or rest of the members of your body. The war of the law of the mind, when compromised, the law of the mind, when it's compromised, brings forth sin. He said, Paul said, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. Paul knows that his, his real inward man has a delight in the law of God. Right here, right now, don't you feel in the very depths of your inward man or inward woman that you want to live for God with all of your heart? Do you feel that way? I think you do. Yeah. The inward man says, I want to I give it all to God. I want to... I want to live for God. I want to be faithful to God. I want to do everything I can to live for God. That's the reason why uh, new converts, when they come to the Lord, everything's new, everything's fresh. They're like baby birds with their mouths open. Give me more, give me more. I've had, I've had people that came into the church that were uh, new, and they were saying, tell me, Pastor, everything I need to know. Because when I hear that, I, my mind goes back to me telling my pastor, Pastor, I want to know everything I need to know about how to get as close to God as I can because I don't want to stand on the edge. I want to get as close to God as I can. So, it's the law of mine. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. The inward man, it delights in the law of God. So, he, Paul understands that the impulse towards sin comes from another law in my members. But when I compromise on the laws of God, then I give condoning to the laws of sin to operate in my life. You see, the law shows you what's good and what's bad. Tells you when you're doing wrong. When you hear preaching, people know if they listen and believe the word of God, it's going to tell you when you've done wrong. It's also going to tell you when you've done right. But he understood this. But when we compromise on the law that is inside of us, on the law of the mind, of trying to do the right thing, and we compromise on that, then it begins to affect every part of our life. Another law in my members. Paul knows that the real self is the one who does delight in the law of God. That's really who Paul was. He delighted in the laws of God. That's who he was. But this other law that kept agitating him and kept working on him, it's something that he realized he's got to get control of. He's got control, just like all of us. The old man is not the real Paul. The old man is dead. He repented. 
He buried it. Baptism. Received newness of life through the power of the Holy Ghost. The flesh is not the real Paul. The flesh is destined to pass away and be resurrected. The new man is the, new, is the real Paul. To live like what God has made him to live for. He created us to live for him and worship him and serve him. But that flesh keeps trying to draw us back to sin. There, there is a debate by some theologians as to these scriptures in the book of uh, Romans chapter 7 that, uh, that, that Paul was a Christian during these experiences he describes and then others say maybe it was before he came to the Lord. I kind of have in my, and you, you could go several different ways with this, but I think he learned a lot before he came to the Lord. And then when he came to the Lord, things began to fall into place and understanding. And I'm sure there was still a battle going on, and he was still trying to figure it out. Just like us, we're, we're living for God, but we're still trying to figure this thing out, this battle, this war that's going on. But I think Paul, uh, you know, he was taught at the feet of Gamaliel. He was, he was uh, climbing the ladder in, in the... Uh, Sanhedrin, he was, he was doing some things trying to get points with people in high positions. So he, he, he was a very smart man, but he was learning some things even at that time, but yet he kind of overrode those because he, you know, he was living the old life. But when he came to the Lord, all of a sudden things began to change and he started trying to overcome that old person, to fight against it. And so it was still a struggle because he was still trying to figure it out. And the more he began to walk with God, the more he began to learn about God, and the more he learned that it was all about God for him to be able to overcome this law of sin that is inside of him. You know, um, in a sense, it's... The relevant question for this is the struggle of anyone who tries to obey God in their own strength, doing it on their own. This experience of struggle and defeat is something that a Christian may experience, but it's something that a non-Christian can only experience. He was trying to figure it out in the first few verses of this teaching that was by his own efforts trying to figure it out on his own, Paul was. And then he goes on and says, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin. Sin is able to war within Paul and win because there is no power in himself other than himself. When we think that we can do it on our own, we're going to battle it and battle it and never overcome it because we don't have the power to overcome it on our own. We can make decisions and try to do the right thing. Willpower, yeah, it gives us some, some uh, help here. But when it all comes down to it, the only true answer to overcoming the law of sin that works within us is through God, through the power of His Spirit, through the power of His Word, 
Amen. Paul, caught in the desperate powerlessness of trying to battle sin and the power of self. Now, I will say, to give you the very last portion of this, that he did bring it all around because the last two or three verses uh, talks about how that he found victory through the Lord. Paul realized he couldn't fight this on his own but needed God's help. So the chapter here in Romans, the chapter closes with a confession that he can't do it on his own and it also uh, closed with uh, the understanding of the need for God's help. That's where we need to be. We need to own it and we need to realize we need God's help. He said in verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He was realizing he was wretched. He was also realizing, I can't do this on my own. So who's going to deliver me from this body of death? You know, you know really what's, what's interesting is back in history, in the ancient Greek uh, times and Roman times, uh, kings would actually, in order to, to um, uh, condemn people that did wrong, you know what they would actually do? They would take a dead corpse and tie that to their back and make them walk around with that dead corpse. The stench of it, the thought of you're trying to live a life and you've got a dead body on you. And they did that for torture. Paul was saying, oh, wretched man that I am. But who's going to deliver me from this body of death, this torture, this struggle of sin? Legalism always brings a person face to face with their own wretchedness. And if they continue in legalism, they will react in one of two ways. Either they will deny their wretchedness and become a Pharisee and think, I'm perfect, I'm everything is right. They would deny their wretchedness and be self-righteous as a Pharisee. Or they will despair because of their wretchedness and give up following the Lord and backslide. That's what legalism will do. That's what Pharisees did. They got to the point where they thought that they were, they have arrived, everybody else needs to bow down to me. That's the reason why they prayed on the street corner, look at me. It was all about look at me. Self-righteousness, it was all about, look how much I fast, look how much I pray, look how much I do this and that, and, and I'm living by all the laws. But yet they were, as Jesus said, they, you know, they were whited sepulchers. They, on the inside, there was a bunch of dead man's bones. They were carrying around deadness, death. Paul was saying, who's going to deliver me from this body of death? This sin, this, even this thought of thinking that I am not wrong in anything, that I'm always right. That's the reason why he said, oh, wretched man that I am. You know, there, there is a beautiful thing in living for God to realize that we are not perfect. And we are not without sin or we are not without imperfections. We are human. We are walking in flesh. We're living in this world. 
Uh, we need to strive to live righteous, but Paul, he understood it. Oh, wretched man that I am. Here he was one of the greatest apostles of all time, but he looked at himself as, you know, a wretched man, chiefest of sinners. Not that he was a bad man, but he looked at himself as, I need work. Pharisees don't feel like they need any work. It's legalism. But those that have a repentant heart realize, I need God. I need God. A wretched man that I am. Desperate he was for deliverance from that body of death, which the body of death is sin. The wages of sin is death. If we walk in sin, we're going to find death. We're going to find judgment. Your desire must go beyond a vague hope to be better. You need to get, and I need to get, but all of us need to get to a point of crying out against this sinfulness, of sinful man, this man of death, and cry unto the Lord with desperation like Paul did. Oh, wretched man that I am, I need help, God. I need help. A lot of times people fully don't find fully full repentance because they think or they're, they're not opening it all up and confessing it all to God and laying it on the altar. They want to lay a few pieces on the altar, but they want to continue to walk away with a few pieces still in their hand or in their heart. Trust me, when people fully repent and give it all to God, they're going to receive something in God that will amaze them they will receive the Holy Ghost. They will receive a powerful experience in God and it will change their life and they will bear fruit. If you wonder why sometimes people don't receive the Holy Ghost, because they're not giving it all up. They're not. They're holding on to things. But when they get to that point where they release it all to God, I give all of my sins. The Bible says if we ask him for forgiveness, he is faithful and just to forgive us. We've got to give it all to God. It's funny, I, in one way, in one way it's not, but I, uh, I remember we prayed a man through to the Holy Ghost, I won't mention name but I, we prayed him through the Holy Ghost and he was just he was had he hadn't been around church much at all he hadn't understood all these things but we prayed him through to the Holy Ghost he looked, he was so excited he said to me he said come on how about we go get a beer I feel so good I need to go get a beer I thought okay let me sit down and talk to you just a little bit but he was new you know, that's all he knew. <laughs> that's all he knew. Huh. Life is fun. It's funny. But who will deliver me? Who will deliver us from the body of death? Paul's perspective finally turns to something, actually someone outside of himself. 
Paul has referred to himself some 40 times since Romans 7 and 13, 7, chapter 7 and verse 13. He referred to himself, Paul did, some 40 times since the scriptures of Romans 7 and 13. And in that pit of unsuccessful struggle and trying to figure it all out against sin, Paul became entirely self-focused and self-obsessed that he was the one who's going to have to be able to fix all of this. But this is the place that we must get to the point where we realize it's not all about us. I just simply need God. I need God. I need God's Spirit to help me through this. I need God's Spirit to give me strength to continue on. Give me desire. Desire to be in His presence. The more I'm in His presence, the more I want to be in His presence. The more I read the Word of God, the more I want to read the Word of God. The more I pray, the more I want to pray. The more I repent, the more I want to repent. The more I worship, the more I want to worship. The more I walk with God and get in a relationship, the more I want to be there in His presence. But when it's all about us and not God, then it's not working the way the Lord is wanting us to understand it here. Who will deliver me? Who will deliver me from the body of death? When he said that, Paul was basically showing us that he had given up on himself trying to fix all of this. And in the ask, who will deliver me? Who will deliver me? I think he already understood who it was going to be. It was the Lord. It was the Lord. And in Romans 7, 25, Paul finally looks outside of himself to the Lord. And then he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. But he thanked the Lord because he knew that was the source of his help to overcome this body of death or sin. Finally, Paul looks outside of himself and unto the Lord. And as soon as he looks to the Lord, he has something to thank God about. And he thanked him. And in the word here, uh, through Jesus Christ our Lord, through means that Paul sees Jesus standing there to help him through the struggle. It was through the Lord helping him to overcome. And he goes on and says, so, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. He acknowledges that the state of struggle that he was faced with, but thanks God, thank, he thanks God for the victory that he had. Because he understood that now I finally, after I've been struggling and trying to figure all this out all this time, Finally, I come to the point where I realize I need the Lord for my victory. I need the Lord. So he did. He found it in the Lord. So through this whole chapter, he was only talking about himself. We can learn something from this because when we think we can do it on our own and we don't have to go to the Lord in prayer, we don't need the Word of God, we don't need the church, we don't need uh, uh, the house of God, we don't, 
We don't need the teaching and the preaching. We don't need these things. We don't need the body of Christ. We don't need the members of the body of Christ. Well, uh, we think we can do it on our own, then you're going to find that you're going to walk down a long journey, just like Paul did, until he finally come to himself and realize, who's going to deliver me from this body of death, this sin? And he only, the Lord had helped him to figure that out through experiences and through uh, uh, his relationship with the Lord, and, it, and then he began to thank the Lord because he is the one that has delivered me from this body of death. It was separating from him. He was able to overcome it. He was able to get away from the stench of it. And he was able to find victory. God does not want us to continue to walk in sin. He wants us to overcome. The Bible says that we are more than conquerors through Christ. More than conquerors. He doesn't want us to walk in sin and just, just live with it and put on a front that we're Super spiritual, no. He just wants you to be honest with yourself and honest with him. There is a uh, scripture in the Bible. I'm bringing this to a close, but there is a scripture in the Bible. Let's see. Let me see if I can think about it. It just came, just the thought it came to me. He's, he's seeking the, uh, those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. And, you know, we, we look at it, and, and in one sense, yeah, it is the Spirit. Thank the Lord we worship in the Spirit, but thank the Lord we have truth of the Word of God. But it's also, in, in thoughts here, that I, as I read it, truth also means to be truthful with God. I want to worship Him in truth, that I am who I am, and I need you, God. I need you, God. And I want to give thanks to Him for loving me, for caring for me, for being merciful to me, for being gracious to me, and being patient with me and you. How do you overcome the body of death? By just simply walking with him, building a relationship with him, understanding that the devil's the one that condemns you, it's, it says he, he uh, is accuser of the brethren. It doesn't say he's accuser of the, the sinners out in the world. He's accuser of the brethren. What's the brethren? The people that are believers, the part of the body of Christ. That's his goal is to condemn us so he can hinder us from living for God the way we need to be, we, the way we need to live for God. Don't beat yourself up. Get, get back up. I'm going to tell the devil I'm going to be a conqueror in the Lord because I have the Lord on my side. And I give thanks unto the Lord. Amen? Let's stand. Praise God. And let me say this. If you could only understand how much the Lord loves you and is so excited about your life and is wanting to, to help you and he is... So, if the Lord wears a shirt with buttons, his buttons are about ready to bust off of there because he loves you. He, he sees those times that you... That, that you are walking with him and trying to do everything you can to live for him. He sees that. But he loves you and he cares about you and he's excited about the growth that he sees in your life because you're walking with him. Amen? Let's lift our hands and thank the Lord for it. God, we pray.